Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. The title of this talk I'm calling um, Anything Can Happen at Any Time, Holding Loss with a Tender Heart. And I want to um, share for those who haven't hadn't um, seen what I'm going to be talking about um, that just give a little trigger alert uh, that something really sad has happened to our community in the last um, in the last week, and that is one of our uh, beloved teachers. Um, Janice Gates um, is no longer with us. And Janice, who's taught many retreats at Spirit Rock as a yoga teacher and has mentored many, many people um, in mindfulness practice, has had, had a deep practice for 30 plus years. Um, she took her life a week ago Thursday. And actually, let me just, let me pull Janice up, uh, a picture of Janice, so you see her. This is Janice Gates. This is from the Spirit Rock website. Um, began practicing meditation and yoga while living in Asia in her 20s, um, taught lots at Spirit Rock at UC Berkeley, San Quentin, and businesses and retreats around the globe. Um, she was a really highly respected and loved teacher. Teacher, um, mother, uh, wife and very, very dedicated practitioner. Um, and she had long COVID for some time. And um, I learned a lot about, or a lot more about long, long COVID in the last week because, you know, the question might come to you. How could that happen? And I think actually before I, I, I go on, I, I want to light a candle and uh, have Janice with us here. Create a little bit of a sacred space and we can um, keep her in our hearts and in our minds. Oops. Uh, and actually, as I as I light the candle, uh, I put in the chat. Maybe I'll put it in again if people came late. Then it doesn't show up. I put in the, the chat the chant that is chanted when people pass away, and also it's it's chanted uh, 
throughout the year, but particularly it's chanted um, when people die. It's the main chant, the Anicca chant, and I'll I'll chant this for us and for for Janice. It's chanted three times. If you know it um, with your mute on, you can chant as well. <clears throat> Anicca vata sankara upadava yadamino upakitava neruchanti tesam vupasamo suko Anicca vata sankara upadava yadamino upakitava neruchanti Desam vupasamo suko anichavata sankara upadava yadamino upakitava neruchanti desam vupasamo suko and the translation all things are impermanent they have the nature to arise and pass away. One who lives in harmony with this truth knows the highest happiness. The Anicca chant, Anicca, as probably most of you know, means um, impermanence. <clears throat> so, with a lifetime of practice and um, being a loving mother and a, a wife, a dedicated teacher, supporting so many people in the practice, network of loving, wise friends. How could this happen? You might ask. Mm. How can we learn from it and have greater understanding about the human experience? <clears throat> I wanted to talk about Janice and um, her situation, uh, and then in a broader sense of when loss happens, a, a sudden dramatic or traumatic loss, uh, how, how can we hold it? So first, um, it's important to, uh, for me, it was important to understand about um, the fact that she had long COVID. And, you know, I, I've been fearing, I, we haven't gotten COVID yet, uh, Jane and, and I, and uh, we've avoided it and, and we've had a number of friends, almost everyone we know has had it. And we've had a few friends who've had long COVID. How many people know people who've had long COVID? I'm just curious if you're, you have your camera, raise your hand. Yeah, it's, um, it's intense. And there's a whole range of uh, symptoms and, uh, and effects. Uh, but as I, 
understood a bit more, um, then um, it helps to understand because the mind wants to make some sense when there doesn't seem like there is any. And one thing I, I wanted to do as we uh, continue this is to play a few minutes of a video about long COVID. Um, and when I saw this, there was a whole other reality that I was taking in that made some sense, made a lot more sense. So I'm going to just play about four minutes of this video that was recommended by um, the Sounds True in the, um, the uh, Jack and Tara's program, which Janice was a very integral uh, part uh, as a mentor. And I just want to um, play this and so we can share it together and first make some some sense. So uh, can people, can you see that? Can you see the screen? Yes. Okay. Um, so here we go, four minutes. Even if the pandemic virus spread were to stop today, we still have tens of millions of people suffering long COVID. And that's a parallel pandemic that's happening, which is getting a lot less attention than the acute and severe COVID. Um, even though the cost to lives and the quality of lives that these people have to live with are, are very limited. COVID can impact any part of the body. It's really not a respiratory only uh, disease at all. And it basically involves every organ systems uh, that one can imagine, starting with the central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system, the GI tract, the respiratory, cardiac, musculoskeletal system, it, it, just basically everything. Depending on the person, it may be a set of organs that are involved or just one. Um, there's a huge heterogeneity, but I don't think any organ is spared from the impact of long COVID. one. Yesterday was my 20 month anniversary of having a fever. So I've had a fever for 20 months and one day. Doctors don't know why I have a fever. I've been to the Mayo Clinic and their solution was to not think illness thoughts. Mm -hmm. You may have heard that long COVID is a mental illness, but I can guarantee you it is very physical as well. One of my symptoms is muscle spasms, where randomly some of my muscles will contract leaving me in pain. Because of that, I'm trapped in this wheelchair, this bed, and this room. Long COVID isn't just mental, it's physical as well. And I spend most of my time in, in total physical pain. We are seeing clear biological differences um, in the measurements that we're making in long COVID patients compared to people who had COVID who fully recovered from COVID. 
we need to kind of move beyond this notion of uh, psychosomatic origin of disease and really look into the biological origin, biological reasons why these people are suffering. There are over 200 symptoms reported for long COVID. Uh, some people have one or two of these, while others have over a dozen symptoms ongoing at any given time. Uh, not everyone has the same disease, and I think that speaks to different endotypes of long COVID that people are suffering from. I would say I'm experiencing long COVID. There are people who are really suffering it. I wouldn't call myself a sufferer. I have a bizarre nerve tingling sensation that feels like my skin is dipped in an Alka-Seltzer that's just going off 24-7. But the range um, is anywhere from people having uh, some pain or uh, shortness of breath and fatigue. The fatigue was really bad. And I would also get breathless doing very normal things like walking up the stairs. It was really scary. All the way to ha people having internal tremors and vibration who are just unable to do anything else because their body just moving in a way that they cannot control. Uh, they cannot sleep, they cannot eat, they cannot think, they cannot do anything. They're just under such a great uh, physical and mental strain from such uh, symptoms that these are the people, unfortunately, who have uh, taken their own lives or who are contemplating ending their lives. Those are extreme symptoms, but there is a huge range of symptoms. And ultimately, we need biomarkers to say, okay, you have this kind of COVID or that kind of COVID, uh, and we're not there yet. Hmm. So this was something that Janice was um, was suffering from for for quite some time, and under um, a lot of um, pressure, a lot of responsibility that she put on herself. She she had a huge plate. Uh, mentoring many groups. Uh, she was supposed to be teaching a retreat that just uh, that just happened. She teaches, she taught a lot with Ann Cushman and Jill Satterfield. Um, and she wanted to keep up. <clears throat> and maybe that's a lesson we can all we can all take that uh, to really hear what you need and, and prioritize your health, um, everything else will, will be secondary to that. A statistic from some of the, some of the things that I've read, 45% of people, this is in a study, 200 long COVID patients, 45% um, have had suicidal thoughts. Uh, and then there's, there's a whole lot more, but I think I'll spare the, uh, the statistics. Um, and it varies from just, you know, a lot of fatigue to affecting one's mental, mental capacities, mental functions. Uh, the brain fog is one way to describe it, but disorientation and anxiety and depression and fear and all of those things that can happen when the brain is out of balance. Mm -hmm. 
So there it was that Janice, with all of these things going for her, all of the wonderful supports and 30 plus years of Dharma practice and a daughter that she loved dearly and a, a husband that she loved, her pain was greater than she could bear. And when I, when I take that in and just, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible. How can we imagine what somebody is going through other than the fact that the pain had to be enormous? A mother of a, of a, a daughter in her early 20s, way at college now, um, and I'm reminded for me, one thing about suicide or taking one's life, I should say, some people who've had suicide uh, or had, had people in their, their life who've taken their life um, don't, don't like the, the word committing suicide. So when, when Robin Williams um, took his life. That was a real wake up call for me. In Buddhism, it's supposedly, it's said to be not good karma uh, to take your life. And in fact, the Buddha, there's, um, there's some teachings on, on when a number of monks heard the Buddha's words that, oh, we've got to get out of samsara quick. And they took him literally, and a number of them threw themselves over the cliff. And he came back several months later, and he said, where is everyone? And he was told, and he said, oh, I have to be clear on this teaching. It is not, it is not okay to take one's life. Uh, the only exceptions, at least this is in Theravadan Buddhism, are arhats. They're, they're, uh, they're supposedly, they could take their life, and there's no karma after. You can take that on whatever level you can, you want. However, these days with um, people surviving uh, on a life support system or uh, having, um, having incredible pain that's only going to get worse, uh, there is a whole other mm, approach to uh, to that, uh, to that reality. Anyway, I don't want to digress too far. When Robin Williams took his life, for me, that was a real wake-up call because he's somebody I so admired, who was so brilliant, who was such a good-hearted person and so loving, and he had a condition that was going to get worse and worse, and the thought of living was too great to bear as much as he loved everyone around him. And it made me think, who am I to judge or to say what somebody's level of unbearability is? And so I, when I heard about Janice, I could only imagine only imagine 
what she must have been going through. She was planning on doing this retreat that was just coming up and in fact had said, oh, I have these mentor groups and I'd like to get a sub, but if somebody, if I'm able to be strong enough to, uh, to rise up to the occasion, I'd like to take them because I feel so connected to them. And it was in that interim, it wasn't like she was planning for a long time, but somewhere, some along the line, she said, I can't go on. And I, I want to read to you um, a letter that Jack Cornfield uh, wrote to the Spirit Rock community, Spirit Rock teachers and staff, and he and Tara wrote this to the uh, mindfulness uh, meditation teachers certification training program as well. And there's something about hearing, hearing some wise words that can help. So I wanted to read Jack's letter to all the Spirit Rock teachers and staff. I write with sad news that one of our colleagues and teachers, Janice Gates, has died. We are grieved and touched by this tender loss. Janice was truly beloved, a teacher, mentor, a creative force, a loving and supportive mother and wife, a devoted and wise friend, and an inspiration to all around her. She was deeply kind, exquisitely sensitive and attuned, thoughtful and intelligent, cared empathically about others, and loved her work supporting students in retreat and through her decades as a yoga and embodied Dharma teacher. <clears throat> in recent months, Janice had been battling what seemed to be the painful and well-documented terrible mental effects of long COVID. She was due to teach a retreat with Anne Cushman and Jill Satterfield and was being deeply supported by them and her circle of friends. In spite of this, Tuesday, she took her own life. When we hold a loss like this, we are confronted with the mystery of death, of our limitations as humans, our beliefs, our practice, our deepest values, and what we hold is sacred. But we cannot only hold tragedy personally in our hearts, even when it comes close. We also need to turn to the great heart of compassion embodied in Kuan Yin, Mother Mary, the mothers of the world, and ask that our loss is held in their vast, timeless heart with us. We are collectively called upon to deepen our commitment to compassion, love, and the ever deeper need for living with a caring, wise heart amidst it all. We will be sharing rituals to honor Janice in the weeks ahead. Sending love and tender metta, Jack. <clears throat> One of the things that it, it's been clear is that um, community is essential. I've mentioned here before Francis Weller, who's written about grieving wisely, saying that in in most cultures for uh, for throughout human history, uh, grieving was done as a communal experience. 
But in our culture these days, it's often a private affair and there can be shame, there can be stigma uh, with suicide. There can be a whole host of feelings that if you're trying to do it on your own, um, that compounds the misery and the confusion. And we need each other just coming together as a community so there's a greater container to hold pain, whether it's somebody who's gone through suicide and taking their life or, or a sudden kind of um, a sudden loss and grieving. Um, we need each other and it can be held in a sacred container that processes wisely and helps whoever is going through the major loss uh, to, to be held in a field of caring and compassion. Some things from the Mayo Clinic, uh, I uh, looked up their advice on helping people understand and go through suicide. And then we can get into general loss. But losing a loved one that way, there's shock, of course. There's anger. There's guilt. There's despair, of course. There's confusion. There's feelings of rejection. And besides that, there's deep sadness and a general anxiety about the unpredictability of life. It really shakes one's sense of, of groundedness and stability. And there are coping strategies that they recommend to stay in touch with loved ones to grieve in your own way. Everybody has their own way to do this. There's no one right way. And really to respect each person's way. To be prepared for painful reminders, things that can trigger us and remind us either about that person or that event. <clears throat> And that this takes time. You, it's not something to, to rush or get over. To expect that there'll be setbacks. And to consider a support group. I know that for myself that it's possible I've seen people, one person in particular, go through an unspeakable loss like this and come out the other end. And I have written about her in my book, Awakening Joy, my friend Nancy Coughlin Dougherty, whose, um, whose daughter, when her daughter was 14 years old, took her life. And I got to know Nancy shortly after that, and she'd come on retreats. She didn't know how she could go on 
living. And she would come every February. She did this. She last year, I think, was the or the the 2019 was the first time she didn't come after like 20, 21 years. But every February 12th, she'd come and we ring the bell 108 times in honor of, of Julia. After about four or five years of just kind of holding on, she, uh, well, maybe I'll just read a paragraph from, from the book because it can put it in there uh, in a clear way. Um, during one of her retreats, Nancy shared with me an important realization. She understood that it wouldn't do her or anyone else good to let the tragedy block all the loss that was made, that was inside her. And she knew that her daughter would much rather have her mother find happiness than freeze frame her life. And she decided through her own healing, she was determined to heal and make sense of this and give this meaning. And she has been um, a tremendous support for grieving parents who've lost their children. I recommend I turn people onto her. She's gone through um, uh, degrees and trainings and counseling, and she's my go-to person when a parent says, what do I do? Because being there for someone who really understands and knows makes all the difference. And after about Five years, she wrote me this card. I've received a gift that is beyond words. I've witnessed my deepest despair, the darkest, most wounded quarters of my heart, and learned not to flinch or back away. I rested in love and even tasted joy, all the while still knowing the sorrow of my loss. A few days ago, I held a bereaved mother in my arms as she sobbed. She had lost her son to suicide. I held her to my heart as she held on for dear life. And as I rocked her, it was as if I were rocking Julia, rocking myself, rocking the broken hearts of all beings. In that rocking, in that holding, we were all held in one heart. I've been so blessed. So that is a possible alchemy to turn our greatest losses into an even deeper compassion. Part of our bodhisattva training, when we go through loss, an unspeakable loss, or we're going through our own suffering to see that it is part of what we can offer others and the Buddha talks about this, not so much about taking one's life, but about realizing that every day, anything can happen at any time. This is the, the fourth of the five remembrances after I am not beyond old age, this body will grow old. I am not beyond illness. This body will become sick. I am not beyond death. This body will die. 
everything and everyone near and dear to me, I will be separated from. He says, understand that, realize this every day. So you have a, such an appreciation of the people in your life who you do feel close to and feel connected to. And the fifth of those remembrances is, I am the owner of my karma, my actions, whoops. My actions are my, my, only, uh, my only true belongings. <clears throat> Think about this every day, he says. <clears throat> and as you do that, <clears throat> you are more inoculated to to reality and to loss when it comes. So I want us to reflect for ourselves and let's make this a, a, a communal conversation. Anything can happen at any time. And I invite you to just go inside What is that? And just reflect, think in your own life when the unexpected happened and threw you into confusion. Maybe it was a loss like this. Maybe it was something like, like um, a tragedy of an accident or of a an event like happened to Janice or somebody close to you having some terrible thing that you really, that really threw you. Think in your own life when the unexpected happened and there was real loss. And it threw you into confusion. And as you remember, you might just put your hand on your heart so you're not activated and, and triggered and holding it just a little at a time. What was it like? And what was your process? What did you learn going through that? And how has it informed you in a way that has helped you grow?
as much as we wish otherwise, we all have our curriculum, as Ramdas would say, to go through that are part of our life lessons. And as the Buddha says that suffering can wake us up and deepen us. Just reflecting in your wisest moments, the process that has helped you heal and transform that pain. Um, I, I'll open up the chat box and we can, we can put, uh, put our responses in there. And I'd love to also have some conversation with those who would be willing to share, but if you would, if you feel up to it, writing in the chat box, any lessons, or learnings, or understandings that came to you through going through your loss or losses? How do you process it? And it's the the box. The chat is open right now. Let's just share this together. Uh, Oh, one, one person asked me, what is long COVID? Long COVID is when you get COVID and there are symptoms that don't go away, where there's some long-term damage to the body in some way. And uh, you can have it, it can stay for months or even years, like that woman who said that she had a temperature for 20 months in a row. Um, and you can look up long COVID, you'll get a lot of information there. So please put in the chat box, or if somebody is, uh, a few people want to share, you can raise your hand, put in the reactions box on the bottom and hit the raise hand. I would love to hear from a few people and um, hear the wisdom of, of the group. And uh, I'll, I'll need to unmute you. Um, so when you raise your hand, then I can, I can do that. Uh, Michelle, hi. Uh, wait, and I'll ask to unmute. Hold on a second. Oh, there you go. Hi. Hi, James. Uh, thank you for that. Um, I can totally understand a suicide from long COVID. I know somebody personally who's had it. 
And it reminds me of Jeff, if anybody knows Jeff Foster and the horrendous uh, physical stuff he went through with his health condition. And he talked openly about wanting to kill himself. It was so brutal. Um, but last year, my brother took his life and he just turned 49 years old. He's one year older than me. And you asked about the process. I really didn't have any process at all. I honestly, like, my only process was four times since his death, I had deep grief come up in my sleep. And that's like, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't get outside help. So it's just like the body is resolving it for me. And I believe it has a lot to do with having a meditation practice. So that's my process. Mm-hmm. How how is it these days when you when you it's it's like I don't really think of it, and it was just weird to me. Like my brother was like my bully my whole life. He was a a mean, hurtful person to me, mm-hmm. and my last experience with him was you know I cut him out, and I had the deep visceral feeling like I wish he would die. And I, and then from that, I feel like I, I killed him. Like I, it was so deep. I wanted him to die so badly. Mm. Um, So that was my last living experience with him was a fight and then wanting him dead. And then I found out he died. Um, So consciously, I just feel like I, you know, I, he was mean I don't feel that connected to him. We were very distant, mm. but unconsciously it's, there's a lot of sadness and I remember the whole dream and it it's, yeah, it's pretty deep, but it's deeply unconscious. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, for sharing that. Mm. really appreciate it. Mm. Let's see. Anyone else? Don't have to be spouting wisdom. You can be asking questions. You can be whatever you want to say. Um, Aparna, hi. Hello, James um, and everybody. Um, so I am in the uh, mindfulness meditation teacher training program, and Janice was my mentor. Mm. And I came for the session, one of my friends at MMTCP forwarded this email to me. And I said, yeah, I'm going to attend. And so I really appreciate you making this like a memorial for her. Yeah, she was such a lovely person. The last week has been difficult. I think now I'm able to process it a little better. I think the first, the the question that keeps coming up for me is, uh, and you mentioned it, um, for somebody who had a practice that was so long, 30 years plus, I have just stepped on this path in the last two years. <laughs> so I've, I've really been having some doubts. And, and I have been hearing some answers from Tara and some of my other peers that, Mindfulness is not a 
panacea is that how you pronounce it mm -hmm. yeah yeah so but i actually came to mindfulness and med mindfulness meditation for that i was hoping it would help <laughs> protect me from the grief and the pain of losing people and i guess what i've realized is yeah i, I don't know i'm having some doubts so i was wondering if you could speak to that so thank you well first um, I really feel for you. Uh, what a shock when your mentor does does that. Uh, so I, I hope you can be really patient with yourself and allow all the feelings a little at a time. You know what I what I talk of is titrating your dukkha. You know you just you feel it and then take a break from it. Uh, otherwise you can get, uh, you can be drowning in it. And I hope you find ways to nourish yourself uh, and to reach out to friends. And um, I'm so glad you're here on, on, this, on this call. Um, and of course there can be doubts. Um, and all, I keep on coming up with, this is rare that somebody with strong practice would do this, especially, so it's, it's different if somebody had been in the back of their minds, so, um, so negative uh, and, and lost in, in, in depression and was planning, but it's clear she wasn't planning anything. She was planning on being with your groups this this past week and so my mind goes to what could possibly have been going on inside of her i can't know that was so like i said so painful so unbearable so confusing that she just couldn't go on and in one in a moment we can lose our perspective on anything. Um, and so that's why friends are so, so helpful. And I know actually it was so, uh, so moving with Anne Cushman, who's central to the program mm -hmm. and Jill Satterfield, who are, they were her two closest friends and they came on the, um, uh, on the call uh, when it was the MMTCP group and Anne was saying she was practicing and with every fiber of her of her life she'd been going through a hard time for quite a while and at some point it just was too much to bear so it's kind of humbling to think oh wow um, one never knows, but this is where good friends is so important. And it, it is quite unusual to be that, um, uh, un, un, uh, not connected to the bigger picture of reality, um, that one would do that, but perhaps she, um, was was not feeling that there was an end in sight uh and 
that's the one thing when somebody does that and this is only going in one direction and I can't go on and this is too painful for me or I'm too confused that somebody can do something like that. And my heart does go out to you, Aparna. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. Let's, let's look at some of these wisdoms. Mm. Allowing the confused feelings to move through me, I also saw a grief counselor for a year and continued to practice meditation and self-compassion. Spending time in person with a, with a mindfulness community each week reminding myself that this pain too shall pass. How to be truly self-compassionate, it is all we can do. And thank you for sharing, Michelle. Grief is horrible, but it has broken my heart open more. Mm. Having a tick-borne illness for 35 years now has taught me to be much more patient with others and myself, much less judgmental, much more thoughtful about what I can say and do and how my actions affect others. I'm a totally different person today. However, I still think almost daily about taking my life. My sitting practice gives me the space to contain my feelings and thoughts, even though they're often quite painful. Oh, thank you, Lucy, for sharing that. I've gone to a memorial yesterday and three others just died each and three others just died each week. None is COVID related. All my family has died since 2020, 2021 and some since 2014. I have, I've had two seizures, two seizures. The five remembrances helps me to just say it and try it and live into it all I can do. Thank you, James. My dad passed away in February of long COVID, and he was a sufferer of chronic back pain his whole life. He told me long COVID was the worst he'd ever felt in his life. Yeah, hard to comprehend. Uh, and it's said, by the way, in the teachings that um, the Buddha says, when your body is in pain and hurting, it is much harder to practice when your body is hurting and your mind is not not stable it's so much harder to practice i'll i'll share with with you uh just as we end a poem from uh my favorite poet dharma poet dana falls called choosing life the downward spiral starts self-doubt and darkness vie for center stage while i the passive drowning one wait for my demise just as i sink beneath the wave of despair a thought arises why go there i've made this trip a thousand times and it leads nowhere i'm choosing life the darkness lifts just a little. I'm choosing life. 
The downward spiral slows, then stops. I'm lifted up and buoyant now, not shrinking from the truth. Okay, I'm not perfect, and reality certainly doesn't look like what I chose, and maybe that's the only point to ride the spirals down and up and make the choice for life. So to all those who were not able to lift their head above the water and, and choose life, our hearts go out to them and to Janice, dear Janice, beloved teacher, friend, human being, our hearts go out to you. May you feel all the love and your own good heart carrying you on its journey. And may we be supports for people who are going through deep pain <clears throat> and know that it might be us at some point reaching out for, for help. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves and everyone in our lives and be shared with all beings everywhere. Mm-mm-mm. <clears throat>